Acts 6. Uh, we were here a few weeks ago, about, I guess, a month ago now, and um, uh, we were looking at the first uh, seven verses of Acts chapter 6, and tonight really covers a large portion of Scripture. And we actually went through verse 8 in chapter 6, the last time we gathered together in, uh, in this passage. Uh, tonight, verse 9 is connected all the way down to chapter 7, verse number 60. And uh, I just really want to break this up tonight and just show you some observations that we find here in the Scriptures. All right? So let's look this evening, beginning, I'm just going to pick out three to get us started tonight and set the tone for the service. Verse number 5, Acts 6, verse 5. Uh, if you'll remember, some of the Grecians, the Hellenistic Jews, they were upset because they didn't feel like their widows were being taken care of as much as uh, the, the Jews and uh, that were native-born. And the apostles appointed some to be over this business. And said, we will give ourselves, continue to prayer and the ministry of the word. And those individuals picked out, in verse 5, in the same, please the whole multitude. And our focus tonight is on the first one mentioned. And the Bible describes them in an introduction. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Skip down to verse number 8. We'll see that the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly in verse 7. And again, Stephen is mentioned because he's really, he's, he's set apart from the others. And again, he's described as one who is full of faith and power. And because of that, he did great wonders and miracles among the people that at this time was only done by the apostles themselves. But again, he's described there as a man full of faith and power. And then in chapter 7, go all the way down to verse 55 tonight. And it says, But he being full of the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? Full of the Holy Ghost. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, that is the individual that we're looking at tonight. A man of, full of faith and spirit. And I want to highlight some things tonight because we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about being filled with the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? We're going to see a great example of that tonight. Father, as we look in your word tonight, give us the help that we need. Lord, we realize tonight how much we need you. We need to be led by you in every area of our life. And I'm praying tonight that you'll allow us to glean some things from the life of Stephen that will be a help to all of us tonight, that we can all take personal and take home with us and apply to our life. What does it look like to be a person full of faith and spirit? Lord, give that direction, we pray this evening, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we've been, we've been journeying through Acts, right? And uh, the, the apostles received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they began to preach Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the result of that preaching ended up in 3,000 people who were saved. And then, 
uh, we saw that they, uh, Peter and John went to a prayer meeting and there was one sick with a palsy and Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit again. Uh, gave, gave him Jesus and he helped him to get up and walk and everyone gathered around and he began to preach the gospel, the death, the burial and resurrection and 5,000 men got saved. And you remember what happened after that? They were taken prisoner and uh, they were commanded to not teach in the name of Jesus. And they went on and they went back to their own people and they began to pray, God, give us boldness to continue to do, preach about Jesus. And, and they continue to do so. And uh, God continued to bless their ministry. And then they were captured. And uh, this time they weren't just commanded not to preach or teach Jesus. This time they were actually beaten uh, for their faith in Christ and their, their testimony, their witness. They, were, they, they received stripes as a result of their faith. And they went back and they glorified God because they, were, they suffered for his name. And uh, then we continue on and, 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 and they got out of the prison. And they continued to preach and teach Jesus. And you get to Acts chapter 6 and there's murmuring within a multiplying ministry. And now you get to our passage here. And what I want us to understand, we, Brother Roland looked at it kind of as he went through it last week. What is taking place here is in Acts 6 and 7 is the climax of really the apostles' ministry to Jerusalem. Because what's about to happen is they're going to go to Samaria in chapter 8, and then they're going to go to Judea, and then they're going to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's how God used Paul's ministry. And that is, that is our ministry today. It begins home at Jerusalem, and it begins to branch out. And of course, what's about to take place here, the Lord is going to use to scatter his people to begin to preach the gospel elsewhere, to people that they normally probably wouldn't go to. So let's understand this tonight, okay? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes you are, you are right smack dab in the middle of God and things don't end up like you thought that they would. Why would God allow Stephen to die, a man filled with faith and a man filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, some things I want us to just look at in passing here tonight is this. Stephen was first mentioned that the people chose him to be what we refer to as a deacon in the local church, one who served tables. And that is a humble position, but it is one that God honors for sure. And he was described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And in verse 8, he was full of faith and great power. Well, we know where that power comes from, right? The power doesn't come from his ability, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And so the, the, the power of God enabled him to do great wonders and miracles among the people. How can God use you, Dylan? Well, you can give your, you can give your talent and best effort, and God can use that. But if you want to do things where God gets great glory, you're going to have to become reliant upon his power. You're going to have to get yourself out of the way and elect God to do his perfect work. And that is in matters where 
we have reason to probably be afraid. We're scared. We're nervous. It's where we realize we're in the deep now. And if God doesn't show up, we're going to sink for sure. And what we need to realize, we need to recognize that we need to experience. We need to have a desire, Darren, to seek God's face in everything that we do. All right? What did, what did, you, come to, what did you come to see tonight at church? I want us to get to a place where we come seeking the face of God. I want, you know, I can, I can text someone or I can call them and hear their, their voice, and that can be encouraging, but the greatest encouragement is when I see your face, right? I see your face. I, I'll just tell you this, my, my wife and I, when we were dating, she was in college in Chattanooga, and uh, I was ministering and building houses. And so there was no FaceTime. There, I mean, all we had at that time, we didn't have cell phones. We had long-distance bills, $400 worth, all right? I spent a fortune on long-distance bills. And, and you did not want to go out. I did not want to go outside because I was afraid that phone would ring. And I wanted to be there when she called. And eventually we just, you know, we set up times We'll, we'll talk to one another at such and such time. And, you know, we just couldn't get off the phone. That's why the phone bill kept going up, because we just didn't get off the phone. We, you know, it's one of those deals where you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, one of those puppy love stories. We, we loved to talk to one another. But Friday was the greatest day of the week, I'm telling you. Because Friday, she came home. And I looked forward to her coming home. It was the hardest day at work. Because you just, you just wanted to get it over with. And, and I'd get home, and I'd, I'd go wash my car. You know, I'd get all cleaned up, because she's going to be home soon, and we're going to go do something together. And we'd spend time together Friday night, a lot of the Saturday, Sunday we were at church, and the Sunday afternoon she left for Chattanooga again. That was difficult. You want to see their face. Listen, we have God's Word, right? He speaks to us. We have God's Word. I want to see God at work. I want to see him moving. I, I want to see what he is doing among us, all right? And so there is this great desire to seek the Lord and the power of God. Acts 6 and verse number 9, there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilician, of Asia, disputing with Stephen. They... they I don't know why they picked him out. They didn't, they didn't pick the apostles out for some reason. But they picked out Stephen. And they began to dispute with him and argue with him about these things that he was teaching and the things that he was preaching and the things that he was doing. But he was a man that was full of faith. What does that mean? It means that he believed God could. Whatever it was, he just believed that God can. And he had great faith in the Lord. And he was a man that was emptied of self and wanted God to have all there is of him. All of us agree tonight this. You get all of God you're going to get when you get saved. God is just always seeking to get more of us. And so God had all there was of Stephen. And when they began to dispute with him, 
I want us to see this in verse 10, that he was a man of wisdom. It says in verse number 10, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. The wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. He had great wisdom. And so when he spoke, people listened. They could not resist what he had to say. In verse number 11, because they, they couldn't argue with him, really because of his wisdom, in verses 11 and 12, they, did, they went a similar route as they did with Jesus. It says, Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. To suborn means they bribe men to fabricate lies concerning Stephen. It says in verse 13 that they set up false witnesses who, who lied about him and just said things that simply were not true. At the council, they said these things. They said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. And then they said, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered. Blasphemous words, they said he spoke. He never said any such thing. He spoke, when he spoke, he spoke of wisdom. They had lies about him. But even in the midst of lies, in verse 15, we see that he was a man at peace. Despite the persecution, despite the things that people had said, they recognized his face as it had been the face of an angel. I like one of my favorite quotes ever was by Abraham Lincoln. And I've always tried to apply this to my life. He says, if I were to try to read, much less answer all the attacks made on me, this shop might as well be closed for any other business. I do the very best I know how, the very best I can. And I mean to keep doing so until the end. If the end brings me out all right, what's said against me won't amount to anything. If the end brings me out wrong, ten angels swearing I was right would make no difference. Abraham Lincoln. You don't have to defend yourself. Let God take care of that. Right? Stephen, Stephen never argues. He never, he never calls them out and says, you're a bunch of liars. He never does that. Jesus himself never did that as well. When they looked at him, they saw his face as if it was an angel. Despite the lies and the persecution and the things that people were saying... Let's stop for just a moment, all right? There's a lot of things going on tonight that are distracting me. And that's all I'll say. 
And it's not the baby, so don't, don't anybody think that. It's not the children. People aren't paying attention. People are busy doing something else. They got something else on their mind. Father, I, I pray, I just, I got to pray. I got to pray for your help. Lord, we need to hear from you tonight. This isn't about me. There's some things here about Stephen's life that needs to be applied to our life. And we're caught up in other things right now. And I need your help. I need you to help me to focus. I need you to help me to put all those other things aside and just focus on you. We need to hear your word tonight. And there are some things here about Stephen that I know can help us. Help me, Lord, to deliver it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stephen is being persecuted. He's being lied against. All he's done is faithfully serve the Lord. God has used him greatly. And the devil has picked him out to bring havoc upon his life. And despite all of that, when they looked steadfastly on him, they saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. There was great peace with God. And then you get to chapter 7. And the high priest said, are these things so? What they've lied about, is that the truth? And Stephen doesn't start defending himself. Instead, he started to seek the souls of men. And that is a man filled with faith and the Spirit of God. Souls were more important than the judgment of his character. At that moment, he just began to give them scripture. And he said in verse 2, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. And he begins to speak of the God of glory. Beginning right at Genesis chapter number 12. And all the way down to verse 16, he goes through the book of Genesis and gets to Genesis chapter 50. When it says that Jacob went down into Egypt in verse 15 and died, he and our fathers, and were carried over into Sikkim and laid in the sepulcher that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons 
of Emor, the father of Sikkim. And then he doesn't stop there. He knows his audience. And in verses 17 through 44, Stephen journeys through the book of Exodus. And he deals with them. He speaks about Moses and their deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. I'm not going to take the time to read all of that. But he, he gives them the history of their people. You get to verse number 45, and he speaks of Joshua. Joshua, in this passage, in verse 45, you'll notice, has the name Jesus. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus in the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers under the days of David. That's the book of Joshua. And then he continues in verses 46 through 50. He refers to David wanting to build a temple for God. He referred to Solomon who built the temple. And then he quotes in verse 48 and 49, he quotes Isaiah the prophet that he wrote in Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2. And then you get to verse 51. And Stephen boldly proclaimed the truth concerning Christ. Notice what he says. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Well, that's not kind. He's just trying to get your attention. We know that circumcision was of the Jews, right? They had that outward sign, but their heart was uncircumcised. Their heart was far from God. They, they, they knew the tradition. They could put on the act. They, they knew exactly how to act. They knew how to pretend. They knew everything they needed to do to get by. But they have gotten to a place where tradition is important. The temple meant everything, but their heart was far from God. So he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, he says, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your Father did, so do ye. And that is the sin that we so often commit in our spiritual life. We know how to do church. We know how to do it. We've done it for a while. We know how to do all the things that we do for church, but we're resisting the moving of the Holy Spirit where God begins to do a work in our life and we just sit there and we don't do anything else. We resist that. We reject that. He's saying, you stiff neck, you're hard-hearted. You're hard. You're stubborn. You're resisting all these things that God did, beginning to Abraham. All of those things was to get us to Jesus. And you're missing that. Because you want to continue in your religion. You're wanting to continue in your tradition. I'm telling you this. He's saying you're resisting the Holy Spirit. we got to get to a place where we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have got to be in a place where we're always piercing darkness. When Larry and Sandra and everyone else involved, when they go into the jail, 
They're piercing darkness. We've got to get in a place where we're not comfortable with darkness, but we want to pierce it. We want to make an impact. It is easy to see a crowd and, 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 and dismiss that crowd and walk away and go a different direction. We need to be in a place where we want to pierce it. We want to get, to, we want to get through to somebody. When the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, talk to that individual. Don't resist him. But we've become very good at resisting him. And we just let darkness, if you'll stay over there, we'll stay over here. You do your thing, I'm going to go to church and do my thing. Satan is perfectly fine with that. The hard places is when you're, when you're trying to get in where the devil don't want you to get into. That's the work, that's the work God has called us to do. He says you resist the Holy Spirit. Verse 52, which of the prophets, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one, speaking of Jesus. He's speaking of his heritage. He said, I, what he's saying there is, I've joined the line of individuals who have preached truth only to become martyrs for the faith, of whom now you have been the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And his use of the scripture to get to the Jews, to get the Jews to Jesus, demanded a response. And boy, did he get a response in verse 54. What it should read is, and everyone got saved. But that is not how it reads. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. When he began his speech in verse 2, he spoke, he spoke of God's glory, the God of glory, and now... He has seen the glory of God. And he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God. In verse 56, he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He saw things no man could see. The Spirit of God allowed him to see things that everyone else could not. Filled with the Holy Spirit, God revealed himself unto Stephen. A few chapters later in chapter 9, God would reveal himself to Saul. Now look in verse 57 and verse 58. He's looking up into heaven. He sees the glory of God. He sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. In verse 57, Then they cried out with a loud voice 
stopped their ears like two-year-olds, right? And ran upon him with one accord. They could have yelled words like, shut up, quit your talking, quit your blasphemy. They said, no doubt, terrible words to Stephen. And he's just looking up there grinning. He says, I see Jesus. Wouldn't it be something in the midst of our persecution, in the midst of our trial? That we see Jesus and experience him in ways people don't do. The reason we're so afraid of being persecuted for Christ or dying for Christ is that we're so afraid of living for Christ. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. The reason we're so afraid of being persecuted for Christ or dying for Christ is that we're so afraid of living for Christ. Because that puts us out there. And in closing tonight, we look at the last two verses of the chapter. He sought forgiveness for those who wronged him. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, and he cried with a loud voice, Lord Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he, he fell asleep. Gone. One of the eyewitnesses to all that was a man of Saul. We're going to learn about him in the weeks ahead. In the midst of his trial, he died calling upon God, asking forgiveness for those who killed him. Let's just bow our heads tonight. Let's bow our heads tonight.